any step forward is progress and yeah really listen to your body and if if you're feel, if you're having a bad day don't push through exercise just do gentle movement and um, at the same time you're feeling bad don't not move So welcome to this episode of Finding Your Range podcast with me, Jeannie Debon, a movement therapist who specializes in hypermobility, EDS, and chronic pain. And today we've got a special podcast. We've got a panel, as you can see, more than one person today. We might have someone else joining us, so don't be surprised if someone else pops up soon as well. Um, today we're discussing the truth about EDS exercise. Um, so we're going to try and get to the bottom of it, what works, what doesn't work, um, you know, things you've been told, things that, you know, uh, didn't work out for you. So um, let's, let's get started. And we're going to do that by just introducing the panel. So um, Robin, why don't you start and just tell us where you're based? Sure. I'm based in San Francisco, as you might be able to tell from the Golden Gate Bridge in my background. Yeah. Um, of course, not real. <laughs> in the moment, <laughs> I wish I had a view like this. Yes, that would be nice. Yeah. And I'm diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, hypermobile type. I was diagnosed when I was about 22, um, so maybe a decade ago. Okay, perfect. Thank you. And Rachel? I'm based in Long Island, New York, and I was diagnosed with hypermobility spectrum disorder, HSD, and last year, so it, told me, it took me about five years to get this diagnosis. Yeah, great. And some of you may recognize Rachel, um, and if you don't recognize her, she did a podcast interview a few weeks ago um, where she explains her story in a, in a lot more detail as well. So if you, if you want to take a listen to that, you can as well. And then um, we have uh, Bethany as well. You need to unmute yourself, um, Bethany, you're, you're muted, that's it. There we go, there we go. Sorry about that. That's all right. Um, trying to do this on a, trying to do a mobile device, so it gets wow. tricky. Yeah. Um, so I'm Bethany. Um, I'm, I'm based in the U.S. on the East Coast. Um, I have hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos and was diagnosed with that um, actually this past March. Um, before that, we were going with a working diagnosis of hypermobility spectrum, which yeah. was given a year ago. So it's been a fairly recent journey for me. Yeah. Great. Thank you. And you might also recognize um, Bethany as well, because she was with us um, a few weeks ago as well. So if you want to listen to her story and journey, um, that's also available. Um, and as I said, we might have another um, person joining us um, shortly, so um, don't worry if that happens. So, um, so everyone's here today, as I said, to discuss um, the truth about exercising and exercising with a connective tissue disorder. So let's kick off with Robin. Um, before you, well, I'm assuming that you're active now, but before your diagnosis, what was your life like? Were you active? Did you do lots of exercise? And, and what's it like since your diagnosis or did it change since your diagnosis? That's a really good question. It was definitely in the process of changing uh, 
before my diagnosis, which is what led to it. But I lived an extremely active life. Uh, I was a whitewater raft guide, a climber, a dancer, and in high school, a competitive runner. Um, I was always very injury prone. And I didn't know that this wasn't normal. I just thought, you know, of course, I'm doing a lot of things, you know. Yes. This is why this happens. Um, Yes. And it wasn't until actually... uh, an injury, um, which I know is common for a lot of us, where, you know, I started to develop chronic pain and fatigue and, you know, all of the other symptoms that go along with EDS uh, that yes. led to my diagnosis after a period of uh, prolonged inactivity. Um, and from there, things just kind of went back downhill until I worked really hard at getting active again, which was, I think, you know, after each injury, harder and harder. Um, But it's definitely different now. Um, I have to pace myself, but I still get out hiking, I kayak. I just started climbing again this year. Uh, Yeah, so in your videos, a lot of the improvement. So I'm happy about it. Fantastic. So that's a positive then, you know, we're getting back doing what um, we like to do, which is great. Thank you. Um, Rachel, so how about you? What happened? So, yes, I was pretty active. Even as a young kid, um, I think at the age of two or three, I had already started dancing around the house. I was always moving. Um, I took ballet classes from five to 14 and um, I was very shy growing up. So that was the way I expressed myself and yeah. found a lot of joy in that. And um, besides ballet, I was very active. I did gardening. I liked running. Um, yeah, just I was always moving around and nothing drastic happened that changed my activity levels. It was more of a progression. Mm-hmm. So, um, since a young age, I would always be very tight and sore after exercise, but I just thought it was normal. I was trying too hard. Yes. Yeah. And as it got worse and worse, then um, I had to slowly stop activity and then my tissues deconditioned more and then my exercise tolerance went down more. So it was like endless negative feedback. Yes. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Rachel. Um, It's very similar, isn't it? So you're both quite active and then um, things just had to gradually stop. And then things obviously get worse when we stop doing stuff altogether. Yeah. And um, Bethany, how about you? What was your journey like? Uh, So for me, I'd say I was fairly active in the sense that um, mother to several small children, I worked full time as a nurse and worked on the floor. So bedside nursing. Um, And for me, it was also that gradual decline. You'd have an injury and then another injury and then something else would happen. Um, Where I really noticed the difference in symptoms was with pregnancy. So with each pregnancy, um, that was when I would get significantly worse. And then after my last one, that's when things really fell apart. And I realized that I couldn't continue at the same pace. So um, I've had to make a lot of just changes in in life and and in work and in family to try to accommodate for that, to, to learn to pace myself and to protect myself versus, you know, my go-to is to push and do for everyone else and not me. So just yes. trying to re, reshuffle and reshift that focus that I have to prioritize myself so that I can provide care for others. Yes, 
Yeah. Wow. So three of us, um, very, very similar stories, yeah, of being active and then having this sort of gradual um, decline. So, um, so um, Bethany, if we stay with you, so it wasn't something specific that happened, was it? It was just a gradual, obviously you were working a lot and then it was a gradual um, decline. Um, how did your views change about exercise once, you know, things started to sort of go downhill? Were you exercising at the time or were you yeah, just working? So yeah. Yeah. So um, I've been in and out of physical therapy for probably the last eight, nine years, um, because I knew that that's what I needed to help correct the problems. Yes. But the frustration was that it didn't always work or that it sometimes would make things worse. And the physical therapist wouldn't really know what to do with me at that point. Mm. Yeah. Is that because they didn't know about EDS? Um, yeah. So the majority of them didn't. It was actually my very last physical therapist who a few years ago was the one who said, Hey, I think you might have this. You should talk to your doctor about Ehlers-Danlos. She, she was the one to finally notice that. Um, but even she struggled with knowing exactly how to help me without hurting other things. So yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, so what about um, Robin? What about you? How did your views on exercise have to change? Cause you were really active by the sounds of it, you know, white water rafting and things. What, what, how did you have to change? Uh, well, I'll be honest, it was very hard for me. And um, I'm still learning on a daily basis because further, you know, I was diagnosed quite young and uh, I didn't accept it. And so I didn't change it. I just kept continuing uh, with my exercise. I wasn't seeking a diagnosis at the time. Um, right. And so I... I barely believed it. I was like, ah, I'll be fine. What's this thing? Yes. Um, they were exploring if I had Marfan's and I was a little bit relieved that I didn't. And so I didn't take it very seriously, certainly not as much as I should have. Um, and it wasn't until I was, you know, approaching my thirties that I had a serious neck injury uh, that resulted in some spinal instability that I didn't bounce back from um as easily uh, I was still tenacious after that and would just keep re-injuring my neck I'm <laughs> I'm coming across extremely stubborn here but um, <laughs> uh and it was just two years ago that I really started paying attention um I had an ankle injury which would be small you know for many people um yeah Yes, the sprained ankle, but it took me out. I was on crutches for eight months. Wow. Uh, it transitioned to use of a wheelchair uh, because of how much orthostatic hypotension I had. My blood pressure would start to raise and drop yes. uh, because of how deconditioned my legs were getting, um, yeah. how slowly I was recovering from this injury. Um, and similar to Bethany, I went through so many physical therapists who couldn't quite understand this paradoxical swelling and why the standard exercises were, you know, hurting different parts of my body um, until I found some really skilled EDS knowledgeable specialists who did PT. Yes. I improved um, and I started to see a 
uh, mental health therapists who focus on pain psychology. And that was what made a huge difference because she taught me about the boom and bust cycle. Yes. Um, Yes. (laughs) And that was really what made the difference. I realized that even with physical therapy, maybe I had to do two repetitions, not the standard five to 10. Yeah, yeah. Um, Or even 30. (laughs) Yes, or even 30. Don't do 30 of these, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, So you were in your, you were in the classic boom and bust. That is very, very common for us, I think. Extremely common. Um, Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, absolutely. And, And Rachel, what about you? How did your attitudes or your, you know, your views on exercise have to change? Or did they change? So yeah, having a diagnosis changed everything for me in terms of um, my next steps. So I finally had a name. So I finally like was like, wow, I have some proof of what's wrong. And so that was very validating. And at the same time, um, I had started, this was last year when I was 16, I'm 17 now. And I yeah. started going back to ballet class and thinking, oh, let me just, this is before my diagnosis, right before, let me just start building strength again. And because of my diagnosis, I was scared of subluxing joints. And so I withdrew and I started looking for EBS PT to work on strengthening before um, going back. And that's when I found the Zebra Club and I started working with you and that has helped a lot. But similar to Robin, um, the first year my diagnosis, I I didn't really change my attitude of it. I was like, you know, I'm young. I felt invincible. I was like, you know, I don't feel like I have it as bad, like the most serious EBS. So, you know, I can, I can still do like the hardcore Pilates and, and all those workouts. And so that's what I did do after I started getting stronger. And as Jeannie knows, I had a bad coccyx injury, which I'm still struggling with now, but hopefully getting over. Yeah. That's what um, really started. That was like a wake up call for me. And that's when I first realized the nature of EDS and how it's, it's you have to manage it. And um, you have yeah. to, similar to Robin said, you only can do two or three reps of things, not 10 or 20. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, um, you know, how does this feel now? So, so we stick with you, Rachel. How do you feel now that you've had to change? You know, because it is can be quite a big transition, right? And I think this is what people struggle with, is this, this transition from being very active to maybe having to adjust their lifestyle and their, you know, how did that make you feel? How do you feel now? At the beginning, it was very hard at first because that's the first time I realized that I, I have limitations. And yeah, being a teenager, that's really hard to mm. put your mind around. So for a while... I think um, I was very depressed, but um, I think I got used to the idea and, you know, there is hope for people mm. like us. It's Absolutely. just that we have to go a different way than we yes. normally would and yeah. be smarter and yes. strategize more. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. And um, Bethany, what, what about you? Um, how did you feel when sort of you realized things were, you were going to have to make changes? Oh, remember to unmute yourself. um so yeah I think for me you know being that it was a a a several year journey kind of 
realizing what was going on in my body. I think I went through all those kind of different stages that you do of like grief where, you know, at first you deny it and then you're angry because you can't do the things you wanted. And then you have to come to a place of acceptance and, and modification. Um, and I, I agree with um, Rachel that it, it is hard and it is frustrating, but it is also good to know that there is hope that it's, we're not stuck with just a diagnosis and nothing to do about it, that there is treatments and, and exercises and things that we can do to help us yeah. get stronger. Absolutely. And I think that's so important, you know, for the people listening um, who might be struggling right now, I think it's so important that we get that message across. Um, so thank you. It's really good to hear from people who are actually, you know, living, living through it. And um, Robin, what about you? How did you feel, obviously, when you had to, you know, make this change? How did you feel at the time? Remember to unmute yourself. That's all right. Happens all the time. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, um, I felt very depressed. Um, like I said, in the beginning, I didn't accept it. And as soon as I did, and I wasn't able to keep up with activities in the way I wanted to, I, I felt subpar. Um, and I'm a huge mental health advocate, you know, I think that it's really important to talk about these things and understand, you know, when are we doing more than we can do, but also when are we doing less that we can do and kind of find that middle ground um, where we yeah. very, very gently continue to move forward a little bit every day. Absolutely. Um, and yeah. since I adopted that, it's really improved my mental health. So, you know, even on a day that I'm having more of a hard time or more pain, I, you know, do like very gentle, non-strenuous movement, maybe go for a short walk if possible. And I always will feel that I'm like, well, I'm still me. I'm still doing something and maybe like I'll drive myself somewhere pretty. And so it yeah. does get easier over time once for me you know once I both accepted it learned some adaptations and then actually saw that with gentle daily movement and progress I can become friends with my body again and I can become you know closer to how I used to be if not exactly the same exactly absolutely so yeah you know the message here is that you know we do have to make changes most people do have to make changes, but that's not the end of the road, you know? It's just that we have to do things differently to maybe other people or how we were doing things before. But everything, you can definitely be moving forward from there. You know, that's not the end of the road by any means. Um, so brilliant, thank you. So um, Bethany, what um, were you told to exercise by your medical practitioners? Um, and if so, what did they recommend when you first got your diagnosis? Did they say, oh, you need to exercise, off you go. What did they say? Um, so my physical therapists were definitely big into getting me to strengthen. Um, there was a lot of that uh, core stability stuff where they would tell me to tighten my core and tighten my glutes to try to support when I do a bridge. Um, there was a lot of do this exercise for, you know, 20 reps, um, and then go home and continue to do it. Um, and for me, I, I'm a bit of a perfectionist and an overachiever. So they would tell <laughs> me to do it, and I would do it. 
Um, and that's where I ended up continuing to injure myself. Um, so that, that they tried other things like aqua therapy and a couple other different types, but there was still that same struggle of never knowing what was appropriate for my body and what was helpful. My physical therapist would always say, well, let's try this new exercise. And if you hurt later, we'll know not to do that one again. And it was kind of this trial and error thing that we worked through. Yeah. Uh, and I did get stronger, but I also had other injuries. So it was kind of a double-edged sword. Yes. It's finding that balance, isn't it? What works, mm -hmm. like we talk about finding our baseline, what works that's not going to injure me? And then can I build from that without injuring myself? Just out of interest, hands mm -hmm. up, hands up who thinks they're a perfectionist as well. I saw people <laughs> nodding and yeah, me too, me too. Um, so there you go, four out of four. Um, I think it's a very common trait in our community um, that we, you know, we do want to do things well. And yeah, like you say, if you're give, told to do 30 reps, you'll go and do 30 reps. Um, yeah. Yeah, thank I, you. Yes, I Robin? Just, yeah, I, I see that perfectionism a lot uh, with people who, you know, have had difficulties with their health. Yeah. Because our health and well-being is so important um, that I can really empathize with that perfectionism, even if it's not that way in daily life for people, you know, when your well-being depends on being able to do a physical ex therapy exercise or taking a certain medication, it's really this place where it's like, yeah, I'll try it. I'll do anything. Yeah. And so for me, learning to listen not to that not just to that inside voice that's like, yeah, I'll do anything to get healthy, like more, let's just get, let's do this. Um, yes. Just listening to my physical body, <laughs> which is a little bit wiser than this driving perfectionist voice, gotta get better, gotta get better for yes. me personally. Yes, and, and you, you just touched on something actually, listening to your physical body. Um, is that something you've had to learn to do? over the over the years then the absolutely yeah. yeah yeah would it just raise a hand if you agree is that is that listening element something we have to learn yeah yeah interesting isn't it um that sort of lack of i guess proprioceptive or interception of ourselves um again i think very common um yeah interesting and and robin your you were told of, were you told to exercise as well by your medical practitioners and what sort of things were you given to do? Yes, um, the geneticist who diagnosed me set me up with physical therapy um, and I was asked to do a lot of very specific kind of isometric work in the beginning, um, a lot of isolated movements to avoid injuries. Um, that was okay um, in the beginning, but over time it led to kind of imbalances in how I moved. And I found that for myself, once I started working with really EDS aware practitioners that it changed to a little bit of kind of whole body movement, fascia movement release um, in yeah. the same ways that come up in the, the zebra club. Yeah. Um, and so, my exercise has adapted over time very mm. much. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah, hold on to that thought. Um, and Rachel, you, you were also told to go and exercise, weren't you? 
when you were diagnosed? Yes. Pretty much every doctor, chiropractor, massage therapist, they all told me you need to exercise and, and stretch because if you're tight, then you should stretch. And um, my chiro would recommend weights for my arm pain, which was the um, most serious at that point. And lots of doctors recommend low impact sports like swimming. Mm. Some recommended walking an hour every day, which is very repetitive and would have caused a lot of pain. And I did eventually go to a PT who knew about EDS. And yeah. it was a lot of mechanical exercises. Um, we weren't really aware of what was going on. And there was an emphasis on kind of making sure you keep the, up the pace of the exercise, like don't take so long to do each exercise. Mm. And um, I had a, I was dealing with my coccyx injury at that time. So right. um, I, was, I eventually had to stop because we weren't really addressing that coccyx injury. Instead, we were just focusing on like hip stability and, and core stability, and that was causing even more tightness. And yeah, yeah. So eventually I stopped and I started working with you. And in terms of doctor-wise, I think like they're right in that exercise is, we need exercise to keep up our muscle strength and joint stability. Yeah. Um, but for me, my muscles would get so tight and I would end up getting injuries from exercising. So I didn't have a way to exercise in a way that would hurt, harm, um, help me rather than harm me. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I feel yeah. like for people with EDS, yeah. we're given the, we're shown the door to recovery, which is exercise, but we're not given the key to unlock yeah. the door. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? We always say, you know, it's not, I mean, hands up who enjoys exercise. Do you enjoy exercise now? like now, maybe you didn't in the past, would you say you'd enjoy it now? Yeah, but when you first started doing exercise, did you enjoy it or was it, no, 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 okay. So there's really this mismatch, isn't there? We're told that we have to exercise, which is true. You know, I, obviously I'm a firm believer in that, um, along with other things, you know, there's never one magic bullet that's gonna fix everything, um, but, there's some mismatch, isn't there, as to the type of exercise and the way it's taught that's, that's not happening here by the sounds of it. And obviously we're a very small sample, but um, it's giving us a good idea of, of the sorts of things that happen. Um, okay, so um, let's, uh, Rachel, let's jump in with you. Um, again, did you have any sort of poor, we've kind of touched on it, but when you had a poor exercise experience, which I think all of us have had from the sounds of it, how did that make you feel? So you were told to exercise, but then you did it and it didn't work out quite so well. How did you feel then when that happened? Um, a lot of frustration because, mm -hmm. especially before my diagnosis, when I was told to go swimming, go running, I would try to do it and then I would go one time like running and I'll be so sore for a whole week but I'll keep on trying to push and I end up feeling like it was my fault like mm. I was doing something wrong it must be something wrong with me and even with the with the PT I felt so pressured like this was this is the way the doctors were telling me everybody was saying this is the seemed like the right way mm. and so that's why I, tr I kept on trying it for so long yeah um, okay. and with my coccyx injury with that was me doing more hardcore Pilates with the YouTube workouts. And um, when I hurt myself, that was um, very devastating actually, because I had finally felt like I was getting stronger and I was becoming more like my old mm -hmm. self. 
mm-hmm. and it all came crashing down and I had to start from square one, it felt mm-hmm. like. Um, and yeah. it was, in hindsight, it was the best thing that could have happened to me because um, it, it forced me to really listen to my body and to be more aware mm-hmm. of my okay. movements. Yeah. But it was definitely hard in the process. Yes. No. Yeah. No, thank you, Rachel, for sharing. And um, Bethany, what about you? So how did you feel when, if you had sort of a poor, poor exercise experience? It was very discouraging. Um, the last, when I was last in um, formal PT that, you know, pre-COVID, um, the only thing that they were able to really do with me was the aqua therapy. And so every morning at 8 a.m. I'd be in the pool with all these old people, all these people in their 80s. And it was very frustrating to see that, like, they're doing better than I am. So it would make me feel like there was something wrong with me or there was something that I was doing wrong. Um, and just incredibly discouraging to be trying to do, trying to do all the things they wanted me to do, but just continuing to feel like I was getting worse and having more injury and not making any improvement. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Totally understandable. So very similar experience then with Rachel, you know, frustration, feeling discouraged. Yeah. Okay. And, um, Robin, what about you? Did you, you, have you had a poor experience and how did you feel? Yeah, um, I, you know, in general, I really love movement. And so for that to shift from, you know, becoming something that provided joy to something that would provide fear. um, I think that was more my experience. I started to become afraid of movement, right? That's that boomer bust cycle, where it's like, ah, whatever I do, I'm going to end up hurting myself or flared up. Um, and it's not just injuries, right? We're, we're focusing a lot of, you know, on the, on the pain, but there's also like, you know, fatigue and things like, you know, yeah. since I was a teenager, I would faint after exercise. I would, and again, like the things that I thought were normal are, are shocking now in retrospect. Um, and so for me, getting past that transition of fear of movement was really important to learn to find things that felt good again. Um, yes. so I wouldn't feel, you know, discouraged as mentioned, but also so that I wouldn't decondition myself uh, through avoidance of yes. any movement and yes. finding that balance was yeah. really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, let's just ask the other two um, ladies. Do you, have you experienced fear of movement as well? Is that just raise a hand? Is is that something you've kind of, yeah, okay, yeah. And um, just out of interest, when you obviously we're told to exercise, so we do exercise. And um, what's been the thing? Would it be the pain or would it be the fatigue? Be the thing that kind of s- s- stops you exercising? Would it be more your pain? Hands up if it would be pain that stops you kind of wanting to exercise. Okay. And what about, and, and fatigue? You can have both, if it's both. Would it be fatigue as well, or just the pain, so-so? Yeah. I think more pain, a little bit fatigue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Earlier in my journey, it was pain. Um, and now I will never get to the pain levels because the fatigue is more so the limiter. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think that was after, you know, a couple of years of deconditioning. And so I'm yeah. kind of slowly yeah. trying to get through that. Yeah, yeah. So so do we think that the more conditioned we become, 
we should improve our fatigue levels as well, do you think? Because we know that conditioned tissue is definitely going to help with pain. We know that. But what about the fatigue? Do you think that being conditioned will help with the fatigue as well in your experience? I do. I've seen it improve for myself yeah. very Good. gradually. Um, only if I really, truly don't overdo it. Yeah. There's a threshold if you get yeah. there and you go beyond. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. Just like pain, there's a point of no return. And so yeah. finding where that is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. yeah. And it can be a very narrow sort of transition, isn't it? From one to the other. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. Okay. So, um, Bethany, in terms of your exercise, um, and I know you're, you know, people who haven't heard um, Bethany's um, other podcast, um, she's got this most amazing list of all her toolkit that she uses to help throughout the day. It's, it's just awesome. But um, in terms of exercise, what finally, you know, ticked the box, what suddenly slotted into place and, and how did you start to move forward? So thinking of now, how, how yeah. far you've come. So for me, when COVID hit last year, of course, everything got closed, you know, pools and therapy and everything. And I actually stumbled across um, your program on Facebook when you were offering the, um, that course for, yeah. for movement. Um, and I, I kind of grabbed it. That is like, a well, I can't do anything else anymore. <laughs> Let's just try. And I started off with it really slowly, just doing a session like a, once or twice a week. Um, and after doing that for a couple of months, I, I realized that I'm like, okay, I think I might feel a little bit better. So let's go on to the full program and continue that pathway. Um, and just continuing that kind of slow progression, going from, you know, once or twice a week to, you know, a year later, I usually am twice a day. Um, and then now I'm gradually adding more of the strengthening exercises whereas like last year I could barely do the fatigue and mindfulness ones um, I, I agree with Robin that the, the hardest part is figuring out that fine line of two reps is okay but three reps is not okay um, for all the different movements and all the yeah. different joints um, yeah. and what's helped me for that in particular has been journaling uh, I started January 1st journaling what exercise I did and how I felt to kind of help me hone in better on what my body needed. Oh, amazing. Fantastic. And so you've got like a list of all the different exercises and you kind of know what your baseline is for those. Yeah. Getting there. Yes. <laughs> That's brilliant. What a great idea. Fantastic. Okay. And Robin, um, what kind of was the light bulb moment for you? with your exercising? Gosh, um, I would say meeting other people uh, my age who yeah. have BPS, yeah. um, absolutely. I went to a meetup in the city and met a good friend um, and that made all the difference for me. Um, and also uh, having little exercise study groups even in the Zebra Club virtually, um, where we can kind of talk about it afterward was such a game changer for me because I learned how other people were pacing and was more comfortable staying in touch with myself because we were all creative. You know, all we, we were all collectively creating this space um, yes. and empathizing with one another. So that Amazing. was 
huge game changer. Um, And the other thing that was probably the most impactful was um, realizing that if after my physical therapy or after my activity, um, I would take really purposeful time to feel how my body was feeling and soothe it. Um, Whereas, you know, usually I would do my physical therapy and it'd be like, okay, that's my 30 minutes. I'm going to go to work now, or I'm going to go to, you know, whatever other engagement. Yes. Realizing that like, oh, actually, no, the exercise is just part of it. It's the listening and learning that's equally important. And yeah. so after I do anything, you know, as I'm not perfect, but as best I can, I maybe lie down and do a body scan or meditation yeah, or have a cup of tea um, and just let my body come back down to equilibrium. And that helps me a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I always say to my clients and um, that that part, the lying down at the end is just as important as the exercise bit because you need to let your body take on all that information and just let everything settle again because you've kind of stirred things up, you've moved things around and now we just want to settle. So yeah, and it sounds like um, the support side of things was really, really important for you in helping you sort of um rehab or come to terms with this having people around you that that understood what was going on and we're sharing that experience with you absolutely yes um definitely for a little bit of commiserating but also to really intentionally create time and space where we're being ourselves outside of the condition that we have and we're also cultivating movement practices yeah. uh, that we are looking forward to yes. more so than kind of focusing on the difficulties. Um, yeah. But of course, holding space for that at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Such a game changer. Yeah, great. And Rachel, same question for you. Yeah, um, it started <clears throat> changing when I <clears throat> started um, doing the Zebra Club videos and just changing my whole man- mentality toward exercise. Um, I think for us, our journey of exercise is not a sprint, it's more marathon. So, you know, every day you have to just focus on taking one more baby step at a time. And there's that progression of each step leading to um, good progress toward the end. And just, it took me a long time to accept that, you know, it's not about doing three sets of 10 for each exercise. It's about the quality of the movement. And I realized that if I focus on the quality of the movement, then if I do two or three reps, that's enough to start initiating yeah. change yeah. in the tissues. And yeah, just, I had to change how I approach exercise. Like when I go to the mat now, it's not, okay, I'm gonna do this exercise and this mechanical, it's more like a movement experience. Yes. So I'm feeling Very my nice. body out and um, working on my breathing, my proprioception and yeah, another big thing was learning how to let the bigger muscles and the stronger muscles of the body support um, the, the weaker ones, for example, like lifting up your arms, yeah. um, letting the back support um, the arms instead of putting all the strain and tension in my arms. Yes. So things like that. Yeah. So learning, learning healthy movement patterns, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And also, that's... yeah, remembering that it, it takes time and 
being patient and um, the parts of our body that has been sleeping and not working well, it's going to take time to wake them up and re retrain them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very well said. And um, just staying with you, Rachel, could you, if anyone's listening now who's struggling with their exercises or do doesn't know where to start, what advice would you give them to help them get going? To just take it slow and as long as you're moving forward, even if it's um, very little, it's oh, like any, any step forward is progress. And yeah, really listen to your body. Mm. And if if you're feel, if you're having a bad day, don't push through exercise. Just do gentle movement. And um, at the same time, if you're feeling bad, don't not move because yeah. you need to mobilize tissues and get the fluids flowing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. just good. listen to your body. And it it's. It seems so simple, like if someone tells you to listen to your body, but it actually, it's a very delicate balance and it takes mm. a while to learn. Oh gosh, it's one of the hardest things. If you're really listening to your body, um, it's hard, it's really hard. Um, and that's part of what we do, right? We're trying to tune into that and, and really learn how to listen rather than our maybe our egos or, you know, bulldozing through what's really going on um, or, or, or pictures of how we think we ought to be, you know? Um, yeah, very nice. Thank you, Rachel. Um, Bethany, what advice would you give to anyone who's starting out on their exercise program or looking how to start? I'd say just, just start with a little bit. Like I said, even if you just do it once a week and, and do the, the easy exercises, um, just, just a little bit of movement. I think that's when your body starts to realize that that actually feels good and you start to want more. Um, yes. and then you get to where you're like, oh, I can't wait to get home from work so that I can lay down and do a restorative class. Cause I know oh. it's going to make me feel better. Um, so I, I think the other, the other piece of advice, again, echoing Rachel is you, you really do have to listen to your body, which is, is super hard. And something I'm still learning, but you have to respect its boundaries. You have to know when it wants you to rest or when it wants you to stop and not try to push through those pain. And then also um, just to remember, I always remind myself that it took me, you know, however many years to get to the point that I've, that I'm at. So it may take me that many more years to get strong again. And that that's okay. It's okay that the progress is slow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's accepting that, you know, really, um, not having, mm -hmm. you know, these high, high expectations of, well, I should be able to do that, or I used to be able to do that. And all of that tension goes into the body, right? It's, our thoughts are very, very powerful mm -hmm. on what they do to the body. So yeah, I think someone, I think all of you mentioned yeah. sort of acceptance, isn't it? It's accepting. Yes. Um, yeah. No, no, very nice. Thank you. And uh, Robin, what advice would you give our listeners? Um, I would say be kind and gentle to yourself throughout yes. the process. Yeah. Um, you and your body are working hard. Um, yeah. And to do a little bit more on your bad days, like just, just move a little bit um, and do a little bit less on your good days, you know, to kind of find that perfect zone of movement when possible um, and play with it uh, you know don't 
compare yourself to other people and their progress and their journey, even yes. with people who have hypermobility or EDS, mm-hmm. we're also different than one another. Yes. Um, and so find the movements that feel good to you every day, the things that you can do even on your worst days and, you know, stick with that and then try to build that and expand that library over time of things that you really enjoy doing. Yeah. Oh, lovely. Wow. Thank you. Those, I think you've all given some really, really positive advice there. And there's kind of a theme, isn't there? We're all kind of, we've got different stories, but we're all kind of saying the same thing. So there has to be something in that. And I think if we had 50 of us here, I think we'd all probably be saying the same things, more or less. Um, So um, just to finish up then, um, exercise is a positive experience then. Let's give it a thumbs up if we're now saying exercise is a positive for us. Um, Yes, and um, exercise is definitely beneficial. I'm not putting words in your mouth, so if you don't agree, just say no. But, you know, would we say that exercise is part of your staple, um, you know, toolkit? It's something that you need you need to do and you want to do, importantly. It's not like, oh, I've got to do my exercises. You know, we want to do it. Would we say that? Little... Yeah, it's actually the favorite part of my day now, even though oh. I'm always so apprehensive about it. I guess for me, when I go to exercise, not only am I going to feel better, but it feels like I'm taking back my health one day at a time. Like oh, I know each time nice. I go to the mat, it's, it's going to help in the long run. So Wow. Wow, that's yeah. There's a sense of control that's back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yes. And 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 I would say, go ahead. And I would say that the the ex. Oh, sorry. That's all right. Don't worry. I would say that the, the, the beauty that, that the movement therapy gives back is that it finally gives you some hope, um, hope that you're, you're, you can do something to get better, that there, there is a future, that there is something in your power, um, that there is something that's going to make you feel better and help you be stronger and help you do the things that you want to do. Because I think that's what I didn't have was I didn't have any more hope. All I could see was you know, five years from now, I'm, I won't even be able to play with my youngest child on the floor. And, you know, doing the therapy, getting stronger, being able to take that back, it's just, there's no price tag for the amount of hope that that gives you. Oh, that's amazing. That's, that's a lovely thing to say. Awesome. Yeah, really important, isn't it? When you lose, you know, there should, we should always have hope, shouldn't we? Um, and it's so hard sometimes when you've tried especially when you go to see doctors, actually, I hear it a lot from, from clients that, you know, people say, actually, we can't, there's nothing we can do to help you. We don't know what to do. I mean, that's just, that should never happen because what, what do people do then? What, what on earth do we do? So, yeah, no, thank you, Bethany. Uh, Robin, did you want to say something? Oh, I did. Um, I'm, I haven't made, made friends with the word exercise yet myself um, okay. but I have with movement yes movement okay. everything to me I will always yes. move um and so I just wanted to throw yeah. that out there for anybody who might still be in a transition with making friends with exercise or needing yes. to reframe that yes um, I love that oh, yeah. said movement therapy it's really what it is it's 
it's truly therapeutic. It's, even if you're just rolling your wrist around, it's moving. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's been beautiful for me. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point because, yeah, exercise can have the word itself can have such connotations, can't it? Because um, it's always something that we're told to do. And there's nothing worse than doing something that you've been told to do. Um, and exercise can be a scary road as well because, yeah, we think, oh, I can't exercise, I'm going to hurt myself. But yeah, re, like you say, reframing that, you know, all movement is exercise, yeah? You know, playing with your children, gardening, going for a walk, whatever, mopping the floor, it's exercise. And how do we apply that movement therapy into our daily activities so that we don't hurt ourselves doing our daily activities as well? So, you know, I'm a firm believer, exercise doesn't mean that you have to get your mat out um, and do, you know, whatever. Movement is everything. I totally agree. And it should be, you know, a joyful thing. Um, it's a joy, isn't it, to be able to move and to appreciate everything in life. So fantastic. That's lovely. Oh, you've all said such lovely things and, um, you know, very, very positive. I hope, um, I hope our listeners, I hope you enjoyed that and, um, and got some positive messages, um, you know, from people living with, with the same condition as maybe as you are um, and, you know, finding, finding a way forward there, there, you know, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, I'm, I would never say no to, um, thinking that there's always something we can do, no matter where you are today, whether you're bed bound, whether you're a wheelchair user, or whether, you know, whatever's going on, there is always something. Like Robin said, even if you just start moving the wrists and feeling your body move in a very simple way, that's gonna start sending some positive messages. Um, it can be that simple, you know, but brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, thank you so much to, um, to Robin, to Rachel and to Bethany for sharing their time and their views on exercise and helping us dispel some myths on um, EDS exercise um, and that it, it, it can be a, a positive experience. So thank you so much everyone for joining us um, and thank you for listening. Um, and until next time, keep moving.